I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Five, four, three, two, one. Hit me one more time is go. Welcome to the Nostalgia Reflection Podcast, where we look back at the things that we loved when we were younger, and we ask the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and I have a co-host on this show, the wonderful Nick Shermooks. This Nick, hello. Hello. How's it going, David? I am doing well. How are you? I am great. Excellent. Well, <laughs> Nick, uh, I know we're having just a, a real chatty conversation here, but we got to interrupt that because I got to inter- I got to introduce our guest. Uh, we have a great guest with us this week. You might know them from the many things they do, but just a, a couple of them are Soundography and America's Next Top Podcaster. It is Hammond Chamberlain. Hammond, welcome to the show. I am sure there are hundreds of people right now going, oh, I thought you had Brian Ibbett on. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't want his kind on here. <laughs> I'm good. I, uh, I'm excited to do this. When you guys... Uh, invited me. I was kicking around ideas, and I picked the one that made me feel the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is definitely the oldest thing uh, that we have talked about on the show, and I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion. Uh, we'll get to that very soon, but first, let me introduce the topic, and that topic is Thunderbirds. This British sci-fi puppet television show was set in the 2060s and followed the exploits of International Rescue a clandestine life-saving organization that saves people trapped by disasters. And that's, uh, that is what Thunderbirds is about. Now, this is the part of the show where we talk about our own personal histories with this thing. Hammond, you brought it to us. What, what, when you were kicking it around, what made you go Thunderbirds? Let's talk about that. Okay, so when I was a kid, this was, I mean, I was born in the early 70s, so this was not ancient when I was a kid. This was still relatively new-ish. And as far as TV goes, it was still kind of there. I mean, it was something I watched on the afternoons after school. Uh, And I was fascinated by the puppets. I was fascinated by the models. Uh, Every now and then I got freaked out because real human hands showed up. (laughs) Uh, but it was always, I was always equal parts fascinated with the story and what they were doing and the, the theater going on behind it. So as I was growing up, this was something that's always has been there. Well, uh, I have an 11 year old and a 15 year old. And during this whole lockdown time, we've been injured. My wife and I've been introducing them things to, uh, movies and TV shows that we enjoyed when we were kids. I sat down with my 11-year-old and pounded through the first, you know, eight episodes of Thunderbirds, and she was riveted, not just because, again, not just because of the stories, but because they're making marionettes move around in in fairly, you know, not believable, but good ways. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's, it's awesome to watch again. I've been really enjoying it. Uh-huh. Very cool. Uh, Nick, you, did you uh, ever watch Thunderbirds? Did you ever even hear of Thunderbirds before? I told you we were watching it for this show. I was a really big fan of it back in my pre-birth days. Uh-huh. Uh, the 60s were a wild time. Um, 
So I was aware of Thunderbirds. I'm pretty sure I, if I hadn't watched an episode of the original series, I had maybe seen one of the reboots or the a movie attempt or something like that. It, it's definitely familiar, but um, at least when I sat down to watch this, this was very fresh to me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm probably in similar boat. I think for most, like most people our age, I heard of it probably when uh, Team America was coming out, uh, a movie that is undeniably influenced by this show. Um, and just in that era, having heard about it, I, I know I checked it out because watching it, like some of the stuff just looked very familiar to me. Like I had seen some of the ships and some of the puppet work before. But I had never really watched much of it. Um, so like you, Nick, I this was fairly new to me to sit down and watch a whole episode or, or a few episodes. I'm really interested to hear about Hammond showing this to his kids and, and more about the, the kids' reaction to it. Because that's one thing I was really wondering while watching it today. Because uh, Nick and I sometimes share some thoughts back and forth. And I know he and I... Uh, we're looking at this, I think, through a slightly different lens, so I'll be curious to hear how that plays out. But before we get to that, Nick, can you tell us just how did this dang old puppet show come to be? Yeah, David, of course. So Thunderbirds was created by Gary, Jerry, and Sylvia Gary. Anderson, a husband and wife team, and was their fourth Super Marionation television show. They came up with the idea following the miracle of Lenged legend i guess it's just legend miracle of legend where 11 west german miners were rescued after being stuck for days in a collapsed mine uh, jerry slash gary anderson recognized the advantages of, of an international rescue organization that could respond quickly to such events while their previous shows had been kid oriented they created thunderbirds as an all-ages family program Thunderbirds premiered in September on, on September 30th, 1965. The show was successful, but the rising production costs made overseas funding crucial. Production ceased shortly into the second season after they failed to sell the show to American network television. The legacy of the show has long endured with two movies, radio adaptations, an anime remake, a live action movie, and a more recent CGI remake, Thunderbirds Are Go, that aired from 2015 to 2020. When I was putting together information uh, about this show, I obviously was looking up and I was I was on Amazon to watch the episodes and I saw there was a recent series and I almost like couldn't believe it. It is so interesting to me that this concept keeps getting remade and, and revisited uh, just over and over and over again. Uh, but to get to the actual... Now, one thing Nick and I realized, um, Hammond, so we watched the first five episodes. I, I put that on Twitter. That'll be in our show notes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, which episode, when, when we realize is on Wikipedia where they have the episodes listed out, that the five that we watched on Amazon were not the first five. Um, so I just wanted to, yeah. I, okay, do you know about that? Yeah, I, I just, I, I just pulled, when I started watching it, I pulled it up on Amazon Prime and just started going from there. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know about the, you know, original order, you know, the, <laughs> how it's listed elsewhere, but I, I just enjoy watching them because it's, it's not a complicated no. thing yeah. and there aren't that many through lines. I mean, there's your, your incredibly uh, stereotyped 1960s bad guy. that doesn't hold up in today's <laughs> eyeballs. No, but the show is definitely a bit racist. Yes. A bit. Is a, <laughs> a, so, a bit, a bit. Yeah. 
Uh, and it, it, some of that stuff doesn't hold up as far as the dialogue and descriptions and, you know, some of that stuff. But yeah, it's, I don't know about the original viewing order, but I just watched it from the beginning. And so because it's so easy to follow and kind of fit into and understand, you can pick it up anywhere. Uh, absolutely. That's one thing when I realized that we hadn't watched that in the original order, it was like, well, this isn't a show that necessarily needs that. You know, this isn't uh, something that there was going to, like now, you know, now even in uh, in shows that are like on network television, they'll have some sort of through line you'll have a lot of episodes that are maybe just like filler or kind of just like touch on it. Like my girlfriend and I watch a lot of Riverdale and that's a show that'll like in the beginning of the season has a ton of story. Then they spin their wheels a whole lot until they get to the end of the season. So you could really watch like any episode in the middle of the season and just kind of know what's going on. Especially like here back then they were counting on because you couldn't rewatch old episodes that you were just going to turn on the TV. There's an episode of Thunderbirds. You got to be able to get what's going on immediately. And it's, it's very easy to to pick up in that regard, definitely. Yeah. Uh, now, with Thunderbirds, I, I do want to talk about the um, the puppets and the models because I will say it's pretty impressive. Like I've I've always really enjoyed puppeteering quite a bit, uh, more so on like the the Muppet, uh, which we talked about Muppets recently on this show. More so on like the the Muppet kind of side of things. This is a whole different kind of puppeteering. Um, it was kind of funny to me when there would be really tense, dramatic moments and they would cut to a puppet's face. And uh, <laughs> th- there's not a lot of emotion you can show on a marionette. Right. Like, but it does play, it does play into how much the music played into it. And even when they would add uh, the eyeball movements to show the shifty eyes, mm-hmm. those kind of things mattered. And it wasn't, didn't need to be sophisticated to get across what they were trying to do. No, I, this would be uh, a, a show, like, obviously, we, we have a little bit more advanced puppeteering today, but, you know, speaking, again, of the Muppets, you go look at them, sure, there's some stuff they can do now with with more advanced animatronics, uh, but a lot of it is still, like, those are the same techniques they were using way back on the Muppet Show, uh, and a lot of that stuff, when it's when it is well done, does look pretty good, I will, I will mm-hmm. admit. Yeah, and the talent behind the model building and the puppet building in the faces, the 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 nuances in in like costume, like the the lady is on the cutting edge of fashion. She's wearing actual like high end fashion clothes that are designed for her. Lady Lady Penelope, their London agent. Yes, which I didn't quite understand. Everyone else is like, uh, you know, there's the engineer and there's the pilots and then there's Lady Penelope. And her her very much a badass uh, chauffeur. Yes. Like <laughs> he does all the, he gets he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. No, my favorite part of everything that we watched is when um, she was meeting with a friend at a, at a restaurant and they were sitting outside and someone had drugged her drink and she was getting ready to take a drink of it. And the the butler doesn't warn her, doesn't like pop his head out the window and is like, oh, don't drink that. I saw someone drug it. He activates like the gun on the car and shoots it right out of her hand and, <laughs> and then informs her someone drugged your yeah. drink. But like they're blowing up cars and car in car chases. And, and there's I mean, this, the the butler was not afraid to get some wet work in. No, I give me the give me the butler spinoff show. Yeah, right. I think I wait. Nick, isn't Pennyworth out? Did Pennyworth start? 
that's my answer. <laughs> but uh, like, <laughs> what, what did you think about the the puppets and the puppeteering? So, I, so I will admit, um, I was quite bored. Um, but, but that is, but, but that is to say that what I found fascinating about the show was that I was impressed by like everything. Uh, a little turned off by some of the casual racism of the time, even though it takes place in 2060. So I have so many questions about, you know, what the future is going to look like. Also, because in the future, apparently the Empire State Building is still considered the world's tallest building. So I'm really <laughs> wondering what happens to some of the ones we got right now. Um, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, but as far as like the set design, the vehicles, I mean, if anything, the show sometimes almost felt like an advertisement for these vehicles. Uh, and I, I basically wanted to reach into the screen and like I just wanted it as a toy because they look so cool and so well made. So the, the fact that the show is so well constructed like fascinates me. But then I think what for me, me of course, what really kind of pulled me out of it though was the pacing. Mm. Um, it is very slow for, and again, I mean, it's with puppets. So there's a certain amount of, you know, give leeway that you have to give it. Um, but at the same time, like it was slow. Did anyone else feel that way? I definitely did. I definitely felt in a few of these episodes, like we could, you could cut. I was surprised they were 50 minutes each. Uh, I was like, you could probably cut these down to half hour episodes pretty easy. Um, was my general feeling. But Hammond, you've been watching this with your kids and you said your, your kids have really been enjoying them. So for them and, and for you on your rewatch, like, no problem. It's This is exciting, good times. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed them and my kids did too. There are some episodes that they kind of, they tap out on sooner in the, the middle kind of slog part. But mm -hmm. at the beginning, when things kind of get ramped up and things are blowing up and planes have bombs on them and you know whatever uh that's really well done and in the middle where they're in that problem solving kind of procedural phase they kind of tap out a little bit and then as things get into motion and they start actually solving the problem then they they tune back in so you know they play a couple games of uh you know words with friends or you know angry birds or something and then come back at the end so yeah the, the i figure oh, go ahead i figure it's one of those things where even I tune not tune out, but even I feel like it's a slog on a few of them. Like the one where the the monster the the monster truck army crawler thing falls into the hole. Oh yes, there are some easy ways to solve that problem other than what they did, and faster ways. Send three men down. One of them will succeed. That was I loved <laughs> that they were like, "What's the temperature out there?" And someone says, "It's uh, it's an excess of two hundred and twenty degrees." And they're like, all right, cool. Strap me to a helicopter and drop me in that hole. And let's see what, let's just see what happens. I'm like, that guy's eyeballs are boiling. That part, that part's a little bit nuts. Yeah. Well, there is that. And like you said, there is always that problem solving stage, which I, I think that is probably where I think you can cut out so much of this, where it's okay. Thing happens. Uh, you know, Empire State Building collapses on top of two people. <laughs> Okay. It, Someone it, so got fired. Yeah. <laughs> inciting, uh, exciting, inciting incident. And then, like, from then on, it's like, you know, you have the people who are in charge of it standing around for a bit being like, well, how can we solve this problem? Let's try this. They try that and it fails. 
And then sometimes it'll be like, okay, well, let's try this. And they try that and it fails. And then finally, like a half hour into the show, someone's like, all right, call International Rescue. It's like, they don't seem to be charging you for those services. No, I mean, hey, if you have a if you have an island that turns into basically turns into a transformer, then then you're 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 okay financially. Right. So I was surprised while watching it. And I mean, like I grew up on superhero comics and just like I'm, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief. And this actually I don't think really was a suspend my disbelief problem. But for some reason, I was so put off by the fact that there was this is nepotistic a word. This this family operation of vigilantes, basically, that have basically said we deserve to be kept secret and we will help you when we want to. Uh, and you just need to trust us. And also we're going to install uh, anti-camera devices in all our machines. My, I loved, I just loved how much, yeah, they were like, well, there's a problem going on there. It's like, well, I guess we'll just wait till they ask for help. Right. Yeah. That part seems a, that part seemed a little bit uh, nihilistic, I guess. <laughs> I also I felt really bad for uh, John, which was the the one that was on the moon or not on the moon, but in, uh, in space. In, yeah, the one who's just in space. He must have really he must have really pissed off Dad. <laughs> That's what I was saying. He's clearly the least favorite son. <laughs> right. It's yeah. It's never been more clear than when it's like, all right, the rest of you are going to go on exciting missions, and uh, you're going to go. It's it's like uh, it's Luther from the Umbrella Academy. He just gets stuffed up there. Like, all right, <laughs> see ya. But also, like, how useful was it to really have a space station in space? Like, what? It's not like he does anything for them in space other than, I guess, track no. transmissions or something. And that could have just as easily been taken care of on the ground. Now, yes, I agree with you. But I will also say it was 1965. So probably the idea of a of a space base even being as kind of boring as it was i was probably super exciting uh you know that's how you know that it takes okay i'm looking at the wikipedia now it says set in either 2026 <laughs> or 2065 get your story straight thunderbird when it wants to. but also the space station is so huge and there's one guy on it we don't know that he could have a bunch of replicants floating around like moon oh that's Good movie, by the way. Also fair. Good, yeah. Good point. <laughs> there, I, that's one thing too. Like scale in this show is really funny because sometimes you'd be looking at it and you'd be like, "Yeah, that's like a that's a toy. That's a little model." Uh, and but then like you know they'd have to like have the marionettes who were supposed to be quote unquote regular sized people. So just like sometimes seeing like the scale of things in this show was amusing to me in a way that it probably wasn't supposed to be, but. Yeah. Uh, I still enjoy but, the... but then they blow it all. They blow your mind with shots like the uh, supersonic jet taking off and the way it's rolling on the ground with the camera and it's moving. And you know, it's just a turntable in the plane and mm -hmm. you, you know how it's being done, but yet it's still really cool to see. The, the first time that they showed uh, the pilot of Thunderbird two going down that little slide and like rotating in the platform then like the platform lowers into like a chair that was really cool like, i will admit that is something that even right now in 2020 i'm looking at that i'm like that's pretty impressive yeah the the, the human Rube goldberg device yeah is right. their system 
and and that's so i thought again like this kind of goes i think to my main my my thing which is the show was so technically impressive like that was fun to watch but i also couldn't help but think couldn't there have just been like some stairs like you could have just walk down some stairs or like a fire men's pole or whatever and like gotten the same effect like why did he have to go down a, a luggage tube because uh because have you ever watched marionettes walk for an extended period of time that's the one thing I mean, that they can't make that impressive so to yeah. be fair i don't think they needed to spend time watching them walk places they could have just walked for a second and been like oh and then he's there there, well, no, it was this. There, there were times like, and th- this is where I felt the show really dragged. There were times where it's like, all right, we're going to go do the thing, and then instead of just like cutting to them doing the thing, it's like here's all the steps in between. So yeah, they right. would have had to show it, us it, them walking. It it would have been funnier, I think, if they put them in like pneumatic bank tubes and shot them <laughs> around the building. <laughs> that would have been oh, just like the puppets, just without the strings, just wee. Yeah, like Logan's Run, their cars, that was all pneumatic tubes. So yeah. you do the same thing with the puppets, and you put them in and just launch, suck them all over the building. Mm-hmm. There is a Super Marionation documentary on Amazon, which I, I learned about just before we started record, recording this. And I'm honest, I'm actually pretty curious to watch that, uh, as I said. I'm not, not, yeah, well, here's how dumb I am. I bought the Blu-ray of it on Amazon, and then as I'm checking out, like after I hit checkout, oh, no. it tells me available for free so i have the blu-ray of it which is awesome and it also came with another disc called uh what's it called uh the story of the filmed in super marionade no that's that wait but it's what there's two of them there's two of them it's like oh it's this is super marionation and filmed in super marionation it's two discs okay so and you've watched all that uh-huh, I have. It's really cool. It has uh, Penelope and her butler are kind of the people who take you through the history of uh, Gary Anderson's oh, Super Marionation. That's pretty cool. Was there anything from that? Like, what was the most surprising thing to you in that documentary, do you think? Uh, gee whiz, there are so many things I just thought were cool. Like, when they put the solenoids, they actually stopped using string and started doing solenoids to trigger the mouths. Mm. so that you they were faster and less sloppy looking mm-hmm. i thought oh, okay i can understand them using that and so it was something where they had triggered it with the soundtrack to make the mouth move oh that's cool so like they would record cool. so they'd record the sound first and then yeah remember how like uh teddy ruxman would work yes or is that are you guys too old for that or too young for that too uh a little too young for too it but and I, too young I, I we, we know we know of Teddy Ruxpin, but he was not our best bear friend. Okay, so Teddy Ruxpin he took his cassette tape and he stuck it in his back and put play, and it was triggered so his mouth would clack up and down mm-hmm. to tell stories. And they use that same technology in the puppets, if I remember correctly, to trigger the mouths to be more synced up with the the soundtrack as they moved into the further production. That's pretty impressive. Um, and I will also say the same technology that makes Nick work. Uh, we just we put a cassette tape in there and he's good to go. I'm not denying it. <laughs> uh, it I mean, it would have been fun to make this, right? Like it would have been a, a probably a great time to uh, to get in. Like Hammond said, like 
the times where whatever complaints I had about the show, stuff would start exploding. Like a car would go off of a bridge and crash. And everybody in this world is invincible. No one ever really suffers any major bodily harm. Uh, right. But sometimes like I would get really delighted when a, like a little model car just got launched off a ramp and crashed into a cliffside. That's <laughs> true. I'm going to share with you guys a link real quick. I'm going to put it in the Discord chat. All right. We're not going to share it with you, listeners. I'll probably take that part out. Well, you can later if you want, but right. uh, something I've bookmarked, and I'm waiting for the money, the time, and the bravery to buy one. Oh, are the. Replica. Oh, you can buy the. the are they. Oh, they're like kits, or can you buy them like wholesale? Oh, this is cool. You can buy them, but they're. Kits, kits would be more fun, I think. Yeah. Uh, so for people who are not, uh, who don't click on the link or go look it up, like you, there is a website where uh, you can buy kits or whole completed replicas of the, the puppets and characters from uh, the different Super Mario Nation things. And they're, uh, they're cool. There's, hey, there's Penelope and her, uh, and her butler. Is that the one you would go for? Me, I'd probably have. I I don't know. I might like one of the the main hero guys, like Captain Scarlet from one of the other shows he did. Mm. Oh, so did you? Did you have you watched the other like Super Marionation shows? Yeah, I'm kind of a Marionation junkie. I mean, that's really was the only reason I saw Team America. <laughs> I was going to bring it up in a bit, but let's talk about it a little bit right now. Obviously, Team America, uh, because there were other shows made with marionettes by this uh, or developed by. Uh, Gary and um, Sylvia Anderson, but this was kind of like the biggest one. And I would, from the looks of it, Team America is probably largely influenced uh, by this. Nick, have you seen Team America? Oh, I have. Okay, the way you said that was like, it's my favorite movie. What do you want to know? Yeah, you see my Team America tattoo. Um, Is is it from the is it from the puppet sex scene? no comment um yeah no i've seen team america it's it's been a while actually uh i I, for some reason i'm i'm fearful that it's funnier in my mind than it actually was (laughs) um but still i i I, again like i thought that it was it's it's like i imagine the puppets in my mind and to a certain degree like they're so ridiculous looking that like the word impressive isn't what i think but then i just think of everything that had to go in to make them even semi-realistic and i'm just blown away oh yeah no it's it's an art um that's one thing I, I i kind of expected when we first started watching this uh that there was not going to be like a lot of background characters because i figured like it takes so much time and effort to build a marionette like you're not gonna want to have to make a whole bunch of extras uh, but th- there was a surprising amount and i did notice a few reused puppets uh and i think there's like right. there's one with a mustache that shows up a lot um as oh, like, the sunglasses or the like the general yeah I think he was like on the boat and the, in the helicopter in the second episode yeah he's like always like in command in some way uh but to to go back to the 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 puppets in team america just my favorite anecdote about that is that a, a, allegedly matt damon was going to be a much bigger part of the story uh but then they saw the matt damon puppet and thought it looked so ridiculous that they uh, they just changed it to all he says is Matt Damon. 
in what I think is a is a stroke of genius. Now, Hammond, as a fan of the old Super Mario Nation stuff, what was what were your thoughts on Team America? Oh, I, I thought I thought Team America was brilliant. I mean, it's not it's not as good as uh, South Park was, and in some ways, I don't even think it's as good as Cannibal the Musical was. Other things they've done, but it. It, it for me, it still has things that hold up. There's still jokes that are actually more relevant now, <laughs> as far as True. the way where America is than it did then. Hmm. It's been a long time since I've I've watched it. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if it counts for anybody to, to have nostalgia for it. But hey, if you're listening and you do, let us know. Maybe we'll talk about it on here. Well, I I re, we we actually revisited a lot of those movies just recently. Uh, my my oldest daughter. I had stumbled upon South Park, and she's like, I hear there's a movie. I'm like, yeah, and it's a musical. <laughs> so she's 15, and so we sat down and watched it together, and uh, a lot of jokes she didn't get, a lot of jokes she thought were too rough, but when it was all said and done, we all had songs stuck in our head. And uh, a number of those, if I'm remembering correctly, um, actually came from South Park itself. I think they, re- they yeah. reused a few of the songs in a Team few, America. A couple of them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but back on Thunderbirds, uh, well, so have you seen the Thunderbirds movies? I have watched all the Thunderbirds okay, stuff. Like I'm kind of, of a Gary Anderson junkie. Like I've gone through Thunderball or Fireball XL5. I've gone through Supercar, Stingray, uh, Captain Scarlet's pretty awesome. Joe 90 is kind of is is weird because it has like a kid who's like a secret spy and he goes around killing people. <laughs> That's dark. Yeah, it's dark. It kind of is dark. Uh, the only one I haven't seen that he worked on was Secret Service, the Secret Service. And that's the only one that I haven't been able to track down and watch. Are the movies like, are they just bigger? Is it pretty much this, but just like a little bit longer and more involved plot? Or it, it, it basically, It's basically episodes. In some case, in one case, I think it's a second movie. It actually just feels like two episodes stitched together. Mm-hmm. It's not, but that's what it feels like. It's like... Uh, uh, generation Star Trek Generation just feels like a really long Next Generation episode. Gotcha. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um, that sounded really. And I think I hate the way I said that. Oh. Given and given how many like TV shows or movies um, that Gary Anderson did, you know, around these puppet things, what I thought was interesting was um, prior to watching the episodes, I had, I think actually stumbled. I didn't even mean to go looking for it, but I stumbled on a quote where apparently Gary. Uh, or his son, I can't remember his son's name, but he was recollecting that his father didn't want to be known as the puppet guy. And yet, if we're being honest, like he clearly staked his whole career on these puppet serials. Yeah, he shouldn't have made so many damn puppet shows then. I don't, <laughs> don't know what to tell. What happens is you get to a point in your career where you've sunk time and money into building sets and models and skill and developing a skill set. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, so what can I easily do? Well, I'll make a puppet show. And then you've got more models and sets and puppets and experience. So what are you going to do next? Oh, I think I want to make another show. I've got all that stuff in my garage. I don't want to spend any more money. I think I'll make another one. So I think it was just, maybe he might not have wanted to be known for it, but I think just because you sink so much money in, in time into learning how to do it and building them and setting them up, that it's, it, it feels like a waste if you, if you step away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and as we learned, production costs were constantly on the rise. Uh, yeah. And 
one thing I noticed while watching this too is like when they got the chance, they would reuse shots. And I'm not saying I blame them for that, but anytime Thunderbird 2 was going out, it's like, all right, you need Hangar 6. Like, okay, well, now we have to watch the first five hangers roll by, and then they'll get to number six, and then he'll lower down on that, and then it'll finally roll out, and the palm trees will go down. Oh, that's pretty neat. And then here's Thunderbird number two taken off again. It's like, I, I get it. You got to do what you got to do to to save the money. But watching them yeah. kind of all back to back makes it really well, noticeable. To, to save the money, but also if if we've already seen that particular scene a hundred times before, I don't. I think the episodes could have shaved off, you know, twenty minutes from just not having to go past all the hangers to get to number six, so on and so forth. We also have to realize we're watching them all in sequence, so right. That's that that feeling of oh, we're seeing this again might not be so much because we weren't watching them back to back when we when we were kids, or at least I wasn't watching them back to back when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, I guess there is. Like He-Man turning, it's like Adam turning into He-Man. They use that same footage every freaking episode, but we only were watching it like once. Yeah, I think that's one thing we learned too from uh, Transformers, or or I learned when we were putting together some of the Transformers stuff is every chance they got, it was like, all right, can we reuse the shot of them changing? Cool. And I I get it. Animation and and puppeteering is probably very expensive to have to make. The fact these are 50-minute long episodes, uh could not have been cheap in terms of money or time, you know, yeah. setting up these models and then making them move right. And it's like, oh, nope, you didn't raise the the arm high enough or like, oh, the mouth is out of sync. So we got to stop and, and go back and reset. And, and also camera angles. Just think about cameras yeah. not being placed properly where it, you're getting too much of it or it's the wrong angle. So it throws the scale off or the fire wasn't in. I mean, the fire didn't work out right. I mean, imagine blowing something up. And having to go, oh man, we melted that model. Um, we're stuck. It was two days. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh no. We have we have built down. We have melted down. Um, oh, I'm forgetting. Uh, this joke's not going to work. Dang it. We've we've melted down Jeff Tracy. He's uh, yeah. <laughs> we only had one. Yep, one. Third Thunderbird <laughs> one is a is a puddle now because the fireworks and its butt didn't work out. So now <laughs> we have to do it again. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of got disappointed we didn't see more of the different thunderbirds because i felt like you see thunderbird 2 going a whole lot but it was like really yeah. rare that you'd see the other ones and i yeah at least at least every episode you would see thunderbird 2 at least one because he was the the transport basically yeah. uh, i do want to talk about we mentioned it earlier the fact that this is set in the future like i just want to have a little bit of fun talking about that because <laughs> i am delighted by the ways that we are going to go backwards in the next four decades <laughs> Right. It, they're really, it, it really felt like they was like, okay, we're going to set this in the future because we want things like space stations or whatever, but actually basically everything else is right. just going to remain the 60s. It's like, all right, we have supersonic jets and uh, that's it. Nothing else is different from 1960. <laughs> no, they actually got the, uh, the vertical takeoff and landing rocket. Oh, that's true. Now. Yeah. And we, we had uh yeah, there was like a space station, but so much everybody was still using film for everything. Uh right. they were still using radio as their primary digital technology. Digital huh? technology is a fad. Right. We're gonna go back to Amazon so. <laughs> I mean it it feels safer, right? Uh but there was because there was always people trying to snap pictures of international rescue and there was that time where yeah, they they recognized it, so they they did something that ruined the film and it's like that was digital. You could have just emailed it the, the second that you took the picture. It's like, that's beamed off to a server somewhere. Good luck now, International Rescue. 
put on the cloud, bad no, guy. That, now that makes me really want to see like the modern interpretation of how they would handle. Well, the, so there was that reboot. Was there any? Uh, what, did the reboot basically just capture the the spirit of the original, or was it trying to actually take place in the future version of the two thousands? So I did not watch the animated reboot. I sat through the movie that was done that had oh, oh my gosh with uh, and that movie had a bunch. It had a bunch of people that it's you would cast, but it wasn't very good. Yeah, I think the fact that we can't recall who's in it speaks a lot to it. You yeah, have uh, Bill Paxton, Bing Kingsley, Bill yeah, Vanessa yeah. Hudgens. Yeah, I, I I sat through it. It wasn't great, but it was uh, it was a movie. <laughs> it was a movie. Have you? It was better than. Uh, I'll put it this way: it was better than uh, Speed Racer. Oh, but not by much. Oh, okay. We don't. I, what Speed Racer is great. We don't have time to get into this. Is that like the three-hour-long Speed Racer movie from the Wachowskis? Yes. Yeah. Like I said, it was better than Speed Racer, but not by much. Okay. You take that back. All right. take it back right now. <laughs> hey, man, I'm starting another show where you and I are just going to duke it out about Speed Racer versus Thunderbirds movie. Eight, episode, eight episodes of us fighting about how good Speed Racer is or is not. Yeah. <laughs> Sold in the room. <laughs> but you, you haven't watched any of the, um, the, like the Amazon Prime original series? No, I have not. I, 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 I believe, believe me, I, I'm kind of a truest when it comes to old TV. It's like... I, I I won't mess with reboots too much when it comes to this kind of stuff because there's something really like I my cinematic nostalgia disorder is on full display with the show, <laughs> and so I'll proudly own my C and D with uh, with the show, and I don't mind it. I'm yeah. totally okay with it. Yeah, there is. I mean, that there's that comfort food aspect of nostalgia, right? That is like this is the thing that I know, and it is. It is comfortable, and I enjoy it for being so recognizable and being just what it is. Like, I totally get that. I but, mean, when I showed it to my daughter, my youngest daughter the first time, we each had a box of cereal in front of us, and we sat and ate cereal out of the box and watched episodes until the cereal was gone. That's how we knew it was time to do something else. <laughs> oh, that's fun. And that's, I think, for her, you know, she's always, she'll probably always have a love for this show because it's going to be tied to that time she got to eat an entire box of cereal with her dad. Yeah, she had Lucky Charms, and I had Honeycomb. Nick, what would be well, your cereal great. of choice for uh, for sitting down and watching a marathon of Thunderbirds? I have to watch a marathon? Yes, but you get to eat a whole box of your favorite cereal. You Depends on how fast you eat. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, uh, given that the episodes are 15 minutes long, and sometimes it felt like the longest 15 minutes of my life, um, I could probably get the cereal down in 10 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I've, <laughs> I've seen Nick eat. He, he's just going to skip pouring that into the bowl, and he's just going <laughs> to gnaw through the cardboard box. I'm just going to get some tape and wrap the box around my mouth and then just tilt my head back. And we'll, <laughs> we'll see what finishes first. It's a feeding drum. Now I feel bad that I made you guys watch this since no. it was such a slog. Well, no, no, so don't don't apologize. Uh, it's it's a fa- it, like I Like I keep saying, it's it's an it's the technical aspect of it I found so impressive um, that that was keeping me hooked. It was just that for me, and maybe it's just my maybe I'm just so inundated with all the fast instant gratification of the things that have you know that are out now that you know that sort of deliberate like showing the the ship flying through the air 
you know, for long periods of time, just it caused me to sort of be like, oh, what did I get a text message or something? And uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm the psychopath who designed this show with the mindset of like, I'm going to explain to you why the things you loved when you were younger suck. Um, so really I'm not a good judge. No, but there was a lot of, while I was watching this, where it was like, I'm watching three episodes in a row for all the reasons we've talked about. Of course it's going to drag because it was never designed to be an overarching bingeable show. It was designed to be enjoyed when you remembered to turn on the TV at the right time every, every week. Or if you're lucky enough to stumble upon it when you're circling the channels. Yeah. I, I I am really curious because I have a I have a, a whole bunch of nieces and nephews that I, I would be very curious to put this in front of them uh, and see what their reaction to it is because there's some of them that I think absolutely would enjoy this and, and would find it to be very fun. There might just be a little bit of that, of that element for Nick and myself where there's no nostalgic love. So when we sit down and uh, and we see it, like we're like, okay, like here's here's where you could have cut that out. Like we could have, we could have shaved off 10 minutes. Come on. I got, I got things to do. Chop, chop, which is not true. We're all <laughs> stuck inside all day. We got nowhere to go. So I tell you what, let me, I feel bad. Let me make it up to you. Um, there's a movie called the amazing Mr. Blunden. Go watch that tonight. It's a great family movie. Came out in 72. It's older. I love the movie. I'll make it up to you. Ama- there you go. Amazing Mr. Blunden. Nope. See, this feels like a trap now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm being g- absolutely genuine. I saw this movie when I was a kid. I loved it. Uh, I introduced it to some snobby friends of mine who do a movie podcast. They all surprisingly loved it. They're like, oh, my gosh, I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. And they loved it. So I'm trying to make it up to you because I feel kind of bad that you guys kind of were like, what the hell? No, no, honestly, (laughs) no, no. I I don't think you surprised either of us with with this. Like, I don't think there was a a what the hell moment. I would say I will say um, and we're about to get to that that point anyway. So I'm, I'll save my thoughts here for a second. So let's just go ahead now, since uh, since we've discussed the show a bit and we're kind of we're just running through our thoughts on it. Uh, we'll give us all a chance to put that pin in our thoughts and uh, and and say exactly how we feel. Does this a show that we think is worth revisiting today, Hammond? Since you brought it here to us, please. Tell us, you know, you've shown this to your your child. You've you've watched more episodes than we have. Obviously, it speaks something to you. So, in your words, why is this something people should be checking out today? Uh, a lot of it, I feel like it just sparks a lot of creativity. I think the show really gets people thinking about ways of doing creative things, and that's important. And you, I don't recommend watching more than a couple in a row uh, for some of the pacing issues that I, I clearly know are there. But I feel like there's still a lot of value to be had in what this show is. Maybe not what it does, per se, because it didn't age all that well as far as topics and the casual racism that, you know, that's there. Just casual. But, Just casual. Yeah. But it, there, I think there's still something very, very valuable to be gained from watching the show. Hmm. Yeah, we, we haven't didn't talk much about the, the racism, but there are a few characters uh, that... You know, there's like the villain. I can't remember um, his name that pops up a few times. There's Kirano and his daughter Tintin that every time they're on screen, like you're just kind of bracing through it. So if people are wondering. <laughs> uh, what what I had, um, I guess I, I may have like zoned in and out, but like so in the first episode, they they have some lines where they comment how a tint, the Tintin's on the, the super jet or whatever en route to them or something anyway um 
and they talk about how she's like she graduated she's like a doctor or something or she graduated with all these high marks like she's supposed to be this really like impressive academic or whatever qualified person and then i realized in in one of the other episodes like there was a woman dictating what the father of the thunderbirds was saying and i'm like wait a second is that tintin yes um and um so so this incredibly qualified person is now just a glorified I maybe not even glorify, but just a secretary. Nothing against secretaries, of course. She was a maintenance technician and laboratory assistant was her uh, official title, according to Wikipedia. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that for people to know kind of what we're talking about. Don't really want to d- dwell on it too much. Uh, Nick, for you, obviously, uh, you hated all of this. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But what are your kind of your final thoughts? Do you think, despite even your own feelings on it, uh, do you think this is worth something that is as visiting worth visiting today? It's so Hammond. I don't want you to feel bad uh, at all, and that's and I think that's one of the things that I love about this this podcast that we do is that we're not necessarily always going to agree on everything, and especially for things when our guests bring us shows or books or movies or whatever you know that was from a different time from what dave and i grew up on or just was more personal to them and we didn't get to experience in the same way like i can only imagine that young nick would have eaten this stuff up so i do think that there's maybe a merit just in terms of entertainment value um that especially some younger kids um i think would find really fascinating um, but definitely, I would agree from a creative aspect and a technical aspect that the, I think the parts that really pulled me in wasn't necessarily the story that was going on, but just sort of like how they were trying to do something like in the episode where the Empire State Building collapses. And I don't remember if I said this before, but someone definitely got <laughs> fired for that. Um, and like the whole underwater rescue sequence and the puppets. I mean, maybe on some level, they just kind of built a set filled up with water and they just had kind of puppets sitting on the, the floor. Um, but there was still an element of it that I, I thought was really, really impressive. So it's, I think for me on a very personal level, like I wasn't, I wasn't compelled by the entertainment value, but I was drawn in by the technical stuff. So take for for people that maybe might side with my my opinion on things like take that as you will the the documentary goes into a lot about how they did water because they had did a whole show called stingray that was kind of set with a super submarine and Ooh, how they do water was actually kind of interesting how they filmed it and worked with it that's, that's uh, cool I, I honestly i think i would I'm, i would love watching the documentary because it's that behind the scenes stuff that i that i like so much yeah when i when i realized there was a documentary for all of the super mario nation stuff i immediately wanted to go out and watch it so i, I definitely will um i will also wrap up my thoughts sort of echoing what nick said because i think yeah there's pacing issues and uh there's some stuff that's very much of its time but there was also stuff in this, and I'm going to use a word, and it's going to seem insulting, but I don't think it is, uh, which is the word quaint. There is something kind of quaint about the way this was all made, where it is a very loving process. You know, the, the amount of work that went into Thunderbirds uh, on a visual and, and production level can't be ignored. Um, do not watch three episodes in a row like I did, because it, it'll lose that charm. But I think watching an episode here or there is something that if you had a love for, for Thunder, I don't think that Thunderbirds doesn't hold up because I think it's it's always kind of what it was. And I think 
if you do want to revisit it again today, the way to do it is kind of the way that it was back then, which is like, check out an episode here or there. I do, I do agree. I think uh, this is this is also not something that I wouldn't be like. I'm not going to let my kids watch this. It's garbage. I'm like, kids will probably love this. Kids will probably think it's really exciting and fun. And you know, they're gonna they're not gonna think the puppets look goofy in the same way that I do sometimes. Uh, so for me, overall. I can't, I honestly can't say that this belongs firmly in the hall of memory. Um, I think that it, it has a value because the, the whole marionette thing is, is something that doesn't happen today. And to put it in the hall of memory would be removing that from culture. And I don't want to do that for something like this. So I think that's where I'm coming down on that. Listeners, we want to know what you think. If you uh, have watched Thunderbirds recently, if you have memories of it, please let us know. Go to hitmeonemoretime.com. You can find all the ways to contact us there. We love hearing from you. So please, please do reach out and take a minute, rate and review us. That helps more people find the show. As we are on our way out here, I want to make sure that you know where you can find all of us if you want to see what else we're up to. Hammond, where can people find you should you wish to be found? Uh, the best way probably is to go to Twitter and follow me at jhammonc on Twitter or go to jhammonc.com. I mean, that has links to everything else I do. And there's a lot of stuff I'm up to. There, There is. And I, uh, people probably who heard this are familiar with ANTP, but I, I didn't give you time at the beginning. Just real quick, what is uh, Soundography? Because it's a, it's a great show. I think people should check it out. Soundography is a crash course in music, one band at a time. I am a co-host uh, with Brian Ibbett. And we binge listen to an entire catalog of an artist or a performer and then give history and then give our 10 songs on how to introduce yourself to them if you are so desire. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a really cool show. Nick, where can people find you and what you're up to? Trapped beneath the Empire State Building. <laughs> um, you can find me, as always, at, at on Twitter. Wait. Okay, on Twitter at Nick Shermooksness, S-E-R-M-U-K-S-N-I-S, uh, or on Instagram at palblamshazam underscore art. Uh, and just because now at this point in my mind it's a running gag, there is still no actual art on that Instagram. You've got a few weeks, man. Get it up there. <laughs> Maybe. If people want to find me when I'm up to, you can follow me on Twitter at DevLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. Find out what I'm up to, all the, the neat stuff going on there. I want to say thank you to Hammond for being here today. Oh, thank you. It's been, uh, been a lot of fun. Thank you, Nick, as always. And thank you, David, as always. And thank you, listening audience. We love that you tune in each week. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey!